edition of Step to the Mic podcast. Man, Monica McNutt here, TJ, Chad Jeffries, Chris Miles, um, Coach Dino Campbell, we're all here. We're recording this podcast on Thursday, August 27th, Wednesday, August 26th, arguably one of the most historic days sports across the board had ever seen, led by the Milwaukee Duck, Milwaukee Bucks, excuse me, who four days after the tragic shooting of Jacob Blake, shot in his back seven times by Kenosha, Wisconsin police officers, decided that they were not going to come out for their playoff game against the Orlando Magic, sparking cancellations or postponements, I should say, across the NBA, the WNBA, the MLS, and MLB. Guys, I think this is one of those moments where you will remember where you are. And our colleague and friend, I don't know who's in charge of the Emmys, folks, but if I was in charge of the Emmys, <laughs> one would go to the one and only Chris Miles, who thought he was leading into the Bucks Magic game, but ended up having to hold it down on air for the duration of what that game time would have been. Chris, I just take the floor, my guy. You know, um, I, I think what we saw in that moment, um, like you said, we were planning to do the Orlando Magic, uh, Milwaukee Bucks game five. And we're talking, oh, decisive game five. Here we go to make it to the second round. The only team in the Eastern Conference that had an advance, blah, blah, blah. And then we noticed at about 3.30 that the team with the best record in the NBA the last two seasons, Milwaukee Bucks, were not on the floor. So we go to commercial break. And I'm talking to uh, my producer, Steve Timlin, who's an excellent producer, just say that off the bat. He goes, okay, we're going to send a reporter into the locker room and try to figure out what's going on. Maybe Giannis is hurt. Because it's a game. That's the first thing we thought of. And earlier in the show, we ran sound of Pascal Siakam and Jason Tatum from the Raptors and the Celtics saying that they were thinking of sitting out the first game of the second round, boycotting. So the word was out. But we're thinking that's something for Thursday, not Wednesday. Um, but once we saw that, we thought, okay, let's not jump to conclusions. I'll just mention when we come back, they're not on the court. So we mention it and we go through our pregame stuff. And then we start getting word from our reporters, which, as you know, for NBA TV, TNT, Turner Sports, we had four or five people. They were all saying um, there are demands coming from the Milwaukee Bucks. They're not leaving the locker room. They're meeting as a team. They don't plan on playing in the game. It had not been reported on social media yet. And one of our policies um, in our relationship with the NBA is we do not choose to break news even if we have it first. We react to the news once it's broken. So we kind of were about 10 to 15 minutes ahead of the news that was about to break. But once I heard that, it made all the sense in the world to me, Monica. And I'm going to say that from this point. Um, I worked for six, seven straight days covering, you know, press conferences. And I think the one that first went viral was uh, Chris Paul with Stephanie Reddy, where she tries to ask him a question about the game. And Stephanie, I call her Stephanie always ready because <laughs> she was on it. And he's like, no, let, like we have to talk about Breonna Taylor. We have to talk about uh, Jacob Blake and, and George Floyd. We, we didn't forget. That's why we're here. And then we saw Jamal Murray with, Brianna Taylor on his sneakers, scoring over 90 points in two games, saying that he's inspired by her. Then we heard Paul George say, I'm not in the right mental space. Everybody's making fun of me on social media. I see that. I don't have my family to, to make me feel okay. This is not right. Like, I don't 
and people weren't really listening. And what I'm saying is in our world with the NBA, the signs were all there. We were three days in. Um, and the night before on our broadcast, I had Karan Butler on. And, you know, he's from 10 miles from Kenosha. Um, and so he has family um, in that area. He has friends in that area. Nick Van Exel is from that town. And on our show, he was kind of breaking down about it. Like, do, like, do you see what's happening? Um, so we could kind of, and we saw the, the Doc Rivers interview that went viral. Mm -hmm. So for us, this moment, we felt it. Um, to see the players do what they did, it was automatic that I understood uh, their pain and their energy. The night before, I'd slept three hours because I saw the video, not, not of the Jacob Blake shooting, but of the, I can, the only thing I can call him is a domestic terrorist, um, shooting protesters. That's, how can I go to sleep after seeing that? So all of those emotions were there for us uh, when we began the show. So I guess that's the, the starting point. You know, we can continue this discussion, but for me, that's where I was from maybe Saturday to Wednesday. Saturday to Wednesday was one day. Yeah, there was sleep, there was rest, but there was unrest within us as an organization. And so to see what the players are doing and saying, they're trying to get their mental health back. You know, we had this initiative before uh, Black Lives Matter movement, before the death of George Floyd, before COVID of athletes trying to have their mental health. This is part of that. You know, they can't come on the other side of this and, you know, have issues. They are trying to think about their family, um, you know, I talked to Jim Jackson and I, the first time we met was in 2008 on a premise of his son being a high school basketball player and him transitioning into being a broadcaster. And I was a local reporter and we, his son's name was Trayvon. So as we had this discussion, I'm sitting there talking to this man for our show. And I'm like, all right, I can be an, an anchor and we can just have a, oh, what do you think of things? But I, I looked at him and I thought, Trayvon, 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 Trayvon. Every time I see Jim Jackson, I, in my head, I hear the name Trayvon. And I think, man, at least he got to see his son grow up. So there's, there's all of these underlying issues that are surrounding what the players are trying to get accomplished. Naturally, as soon as I... Um, uh, I want to go to TJ. There, there's just so much to process, right? We all, in one form or another, love the game, respect the athletes, appreciate sports. Um, sorry, y'all. But, um, I just, TJ, what was going through your mind as this was evolving? Well, I had turned on the NBA TNT pregame show and I am getting geared up to watch and get ready for some NBA basketball. It had been a little bit of a lull. I hadn't seen any games in a few days and, you know, per usual, I'm watching Shaq, Kenny and, uh, and Chuck do their pregame routine and you know, very somber set uh, because of the conversation that was going on. And I was taken aback when I see, you know, Kenny Smith, sit there and admittedly say, you know, his head felt like it was ready to explode. He didn't know where he was. He had not talked to any of his NBA buddies, but he just felt like he needed to be in solidarity. And I, I 
it was like I was beside myself with shock that he, you know, unfastened his microphone and said, I just don't feel like I'm equipped to be here and give any answers and I'm going to be in solidarity and, you know, with the players. And I was blown away. Uh, it took, I, I took a beat and then I was just like, wow, posted on social media, Kenny, you know, Kenny Jeff Smith just walks off the TNT set and I just watched the, you know, the parade of responses come in. People are exhausted. People are tired. People are, we are beyond tired of this narrative. Um, and, and, and seemingly helpless. You know, the guys that uh, suit up every day for the NBA, you know, a part of their reason for going down there was to bring awareness and to bring change, to use their platform. And, you know, there was a, uh, a cooperation between the league, NBA, PA, to allow you know, this unprecedented amount of attention to be brought to, to real issues that are, to, that are plaguing the NBA community uh, and the world. And these guys feel betrayed. It's like, you know, you, you, you see they're in this, this bubble. They can't leave. They want to leave. They don't want to participate. They want to play, but they don't want to play. And the reason why they came down there, you listen to uh, the kid Hill from Milwaukee. He says you know, we shouldn't have come down here in the first place. Um, you know, wasn't the right time for us to, to, to be out here playing, but we came down and here we are. Um, you know, I think the one that really, to really move me guys is listen to Doc Rivers talk about the conversations that we all as parents have to have with our children, uh, especially our, our black boys to have the conversation about where you, you know, when you're pulled over to cooperate you know, you have one mission, and that is to get home safely, you and that police officer. You know, that, that, that was the most telling part of the, the series of days of just rewinding. You feel like you're rewinding the hands of time again and again. It's like Groundhog Day, but in the worst kind of way, um, to, to have to live this over and, ago, over and again, the same conversation. I love the words of Chris Weber. I thought he was very on point, you know, it's about planting that seed and the youth have to be the ones who lead, you know, and so many people had some great points, but, you know, I, I was really taken aback by the movement and the stand that the NBA players made yesterday and who knows what comes of it, who knows what's next, but they made, they made a statement yesterday and hopefully that, that momentum continues. Uh, great point for sure statement heard and received Dino for you you're back with your athletes to an extent or no yes we we started back two weeks ago um Ted hit on a couple points one the the word tiring comes to mind it, it just really just gets old after a while um so obviously when the George Floyd murder happened we sat our players down and we spoke we had a long zoom meeting with them about that so obviously we had to revisit that a little bit today. Um, but Ted also hit on the Doc Rivers piece and I literally um, just had to put my hand, my head, my forehead and my hand and, and scratch my face and wipe my eyes. I was just blown away. Doc Rivers, whose dad was a police officer. Um, so he's grown up in a house with, with law and order in his house and now he's watching this happening and, and having to raise young, you know, young men and have the conversation. 
And then I got to thinking, you go all the way back to Bill Russell in 1961. He, he led a, a sit out with the Celtics over social injustice. And just to paraphrase one of the phrases he, he, he hit upon back then, it was, you know, I've come to the realization that we are accepted as, as uh, entertainers, but we're not accepted as people in some places. Does that sound familiar? That's, that's 1961. And then you go to 1968 with Tommy Smith and John Carlos and, and the 1968 Olympics. And then yesterday happened to be the four-year anniversary of Cap not kneeling, but the first time he sat on the bench uh, to start that protest. Just imagine if the NFL owners had taken him seriously four years ago. What kind of, um, you know, where we would be today? Would it have changed any? I don't know. We can go back to the whole groundhog scenario. So it's just tiring to be to be uh, quite blunt with you, and it's just, it just gets old after a while. And these same conversations that you know have been going on since the beginning of this country, and we just keep revisiting. At some point, I think this generation, I think they have some steam. I think social media is is a huge platform. I think players like LeBron, who purchased a twenty million dollar compound in L.A., and before he had an opportunity to move into his place. There were racial slurs sprayed on his gate. Um, this is where we are. But I think, I think this movement has some legs because of social media, because of the power of the athletes now. I think the athletes are the platforms that, that they have. They're using them to a much more forceful uh, uh, group of folks. I think they're reaching out more. And I think, to be totally honest with you, there are more white folks involved in, in the movement. And so I think that uh, hopefully we'll get some change. The collective support is, is huge. And it is eerie that a quote from 1961 still rings so true to this day. But Chris, I want to go back to something that you pointed out, the mental health piece. I, I, I am a little bit disheartened by the reactions today as the news broke that the players weren't canceling the entire season. I think for people that are calling for the entire season to be canceled, would you be walking away from your job and messing up, messing up your personal pocket, right? That's, that's my first question. I also think that it's naive of us to act as if money doesn't serve a place in the goals that we're trying to accomplish. You look back in history, Aretha Franklin performed all through the civil rights movement. She didn't protest, but you can bet, or it's known that she used her financial wherewithal to bail out activists and protesters. So there's a place for the money in the movement, and I'm not one to count anybody's pocket. What the players did by disrupting should be respected, and whatever they decide moving forward, I think should be respected as well. But I am of the belief that it is just, again, the perfect storm of the bubble, of the mental health, of all the things that are happening in our society that push them to the brink to take this stance. The WNBA players have called a day of rest and reflection as opposed to a protest or boycott or strike. What do you see on the NBA side as things move forward? Well, I think there was some progress made as soon as they decided to boycott. You know, they had an 8 p.m. meeting with the players, so what's that, um, four hours later, they were progressing in a, whether you want to say the right or the wrong direction, but I think they were trying to make something happen. And then the next morning, 11 a.m., there was a board of governors meeting. And what we understand is that Michael Jordan's involved. We understand that LeBron is involved. All of the major players are trying to figure out a way 
that it's not about what the NBA is providing. It's about what society is providing. And I think one of the first pillars that we've seen is the voting um, initiative. And the fact that uh, Lloyd Pierce for the Atlanta Hawks opened up their arena. Now you see that in Houston. Well, will we, will we see every arena doing that? I think that's kind of one of the things to, to make sure that voter suppression isn't happening. So, and I think if the officers are brought to justice, um, we know that everyone is screaming, arrest the men that murdered Breonna Taylor. I think that it really is that simple. I think they, they know that owners, that um, the higher ups involved with the league have power to go along with their money. And I think that's what the players are trying to get across. And I, under, I understand so much what they're saying from this standpoint, like I was saying to you earlier, uh, we can bring Kenny into this conversation because we talked a lot this past week. Um, and it was he and I eating together a lot. I think I can say that without getting in trouble at work. Um, but w- we didn't talk about basketball that much. It was always, hey, what, what did you think of what Doc said here? Um, what did you think about this situation? I know that's crazy. How do people not understand? So I think for him, just like I was away from family, he's away from family. He leaves work. Those thoughts are in his head. So what we saw on TNT is a culmination of that. What we're seeing from the players is a culmination of that. And what they're looking for is more than the NBA donating $300 million, which is great. They're looking for more than being able to express themselves on the court with Black Lives Matter and their messages on the back of jerseys. Um, they're looking for more than being able to express themselves in post-game press conferences. They're looking for actual action from um, the government. And I think that is what we will need to see, um, not to say a return to play, but for things to be as close to normal as possible. Monica, you're on mute. <laughs> Thanks, TJ. Um, no so, Chris, to follow that up, though, and, and you, TJ, Dino, feel free to jump in. I agree there's a push that the NBA players can make. They have fame. They have money, right? But there's another le- level of wealth that we're talking about from owners who can pick up the phone and call the DA because they golf with him. They can pick up the phone and call the mayor, the lieutenant governor, so on and so forth. They can pick up the phone and call XYZ lobbyists and say, listen, I'm taking my donation out of so-and-so's political fund, right? Um, could we see a world where that looks like Mark Lazary uh, calling government officials in the state of Wisconsin? And I, I hate to say threatening, but coming down to, listen, I'll take this team elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like, how much do we expect from these owners in terms of getting on board and putting their money and no, not even their money, but putting their energy and efforts and really walking this thing out next to these players. Well, I have, I have no expectation. But what I'm saying is the players are setting that standard. And that's why this is unprecedented, because we haven't seen this before. We have never seen athletes come together and flex their influence without getting their own personal gain. Now, we can go back to the 1960s and say Muhammad Ali and, um, you know, all of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, trying to think of what Jim Brown, when we think of that group and what they were standing for, uh, I believe Kurt Flood trying to get free agents, all of those things were about civil rights. But I think 
trying to get owners involved and trying to uh, affect legislation on a financial level, this is new. This is different than marching and protesting, saying, hey, we shall overcome. This is, let's go into their pockets and change these laws for these crimes that have been committed. It's different. It's not the same. And I think it's hard to understand the difference and why this is the first time we've ever seen this. Yeah, I, I agree, Chris. I, I don't have much expectation that uh, many of these owners will take to task their political leaders in the area um, to affect change in that way. I don't know if they're going to use that one or two time a year card that they have that they can play with their political leaders to uh, for their advantage for this type of situation. Uh, you know, they can say and stand in solidarity with the players. I think it's going to have to be the elite of the elite ball players that make that type of coin to use their type of political influence. You know, I, I was on a podcast yesterday and uh, party politics and I said, how great would it be to see Zion Williamson, John Morant, Kevin Garnett, and uh, a few others help out in the Senate race down in South Carolina, being from South Carolina, using their influence to, to garner attention and funds to help win that race down. Would it be to see former Kentucky players in, in the NBA to, to get involved with the Senate race in, in Kentucky to help win that? You know, that's the type of influence that it's going to take to, to move decisions to, one, get the bad apples out of the Senate. Because at the end of the day, if we hold the House and we are able and not able to change anything in the Senate, the Senate is going to still always defeat the rules that we try to, to bring and, and bring to pass. So, you know, it's going to have to be that type of political pressure, change, you know, affect the money. I've said this time and time again. If you hold the police to a certain standard with regard to affect their paychecks or their pensions, we will start to see bigger decisions, better decisions, excuse me, whether or not they're going to either choose to kill that black man or make a decision, if I do shoot him, am I going to be at risk of not being able to feed my family or retire when I want to? They've got to make a decision. Because when you follow the money, you'll always find out where the real truth lies. Affect their pockets, you'll change their lives. You'll change their decisions. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Dino? Yeah, the, the qualified immunity for police officers, that's something that really needs to be uh, addressed. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt surgeons have to have their own uh, insurance, et cetera. Ted kind of touched on it as well. I'll put it to you this way. I'm going to keep it short and sweet because, quite honestly, it, again, it just gets old. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. In, in reference to in reference to the owners, I just feel like they're placating the players right now. I feel like they are doing you know it's going to putting BLM on on the on the on the court, letting them wear the t-shirts and da 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 da. But I haven't seen any change affected at this point, so I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna hold my breath in reference to what goes on with the owners and and using their influence whether it be in the political sphere and or lobbying for different or new legislation, I just don't, 
I just don't see it happen. Color me skeptical. I'll just put it that way. So, you know, Dino, I think you bring up a good point. And I want to say this, Monica, real quick. I think that this was almost the warning shot that if we get to another offseason, because the players are, they are clearly frustrated and they have spoken. Um, I think if the season ends, we crown a champion and we get to the offseason and all of the teams in the league doesn't even take it to another level that like what we're having this discussion now, I think you could see the start of next season being in jeopardy because of that more than the completion of this season being in jeopardy. I think they'll finish this postseason, but I think it's next year um, that we should be very concerned with. Wow. I mean, I applaud these guys using their voice. I guess amongst us, maybe I'm the most optimistic because I agree with Chris. Like this is, I think something has clicked different for the players. Like we can stop this for real. Like this is this product is made by us, created by us. There is no product without us. And to your point, Ted, because the money matters to the owners, I, I, I there's going to be innate accountability there if the players continue to be serious. So I agree with Chris. Um, I don't want to belabor the point. Um, you guys, my as my. Fellow hosts, as black men, you are loved, you are respected, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, Dino, you're absolutely right. This whole thing is completely draining. Um, I, I don't know, y'all. I, I, I have found myself pondering next steps. Uh, Zora Stevenson, the reporter for the Milwaukee Bucks, sort of went viral yesterday because essentially she asked, what are you doing, right? And I think that has been my question as people have shared different reactions to the season resuming. What are, what are we doing in our lives, in our sphere of influence, but beyond voting, beyond taking the census, um, having these conversations? I love the quote from Elaine Welteroth, who, where she said, sometimes being in spaces that were not designed for you is your activism. And I believe that 100%. Um, I do encourage my peers, you know, we've got to continue to get educated. educated. By default, us being Black people doesn't mean that there's not more for us to learn, right? Whether it be about legislation, whether it be about history, because I have found myself needing to back my emotions with facts because it's very easy to allow the emotional side to tap in. So um, I hope that we can continue to love on one another, that there is some good that comes out of all of this. Um, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic just because it doesn't cost me to do that. But I do understand um, heavy hearts. This is, this is really heavy stuff we're dealing with. Hey, Monica, you touched on something and you said this, that you were disappointed um, that the guys did not cancel the season, that they decided to resume play again after um, after this, you know, suspension of the games. Oh, no, I, I just one, – one, one thing, TJ, I am not personally disappointed. I'm disappointed in people's okay. visceral reactions to that because that's okay. not our decision. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I was just wondering where people felt – what people felt on this on this uh, august body of, of – you know, learned individuals. Uh, where, where do, where do we stand with regard to, you know, what the players should have done? Well, look, that is such a complex question that it I really think is. that. Here's what I'm saying. I think the timing of them boycotting was perfect because they did everything else. You know, the court has Black Lives Matter. They have all of the commercials. Um, they're kneeling during the, the, the national anthem. They're talking about all of the issues in every single post-game interview. And it's one thing that I said on our show during our coverage is that 
they are leading the narrative in this sense. You know, we come out and we're like, all right, how many blocks does Anthony Davis have? Okay, this is what we're going to talk about in the show as, as, we, as we are preparing for it. And then the press conference starts. And the first thing that's said in the press conference is arrest the men that killed Breonna Taylor. And, you know, this is hard for us. So then when we come back on camera, we have to react to that. It's unnatural to ignore it and talk about how many blocks another player had. So they were doing a good job with that. What I began to notice working essentially on the front lines of this every night is that I would talk about it. We would talk about it as a basketball community, but I would never see the headlines on CNN. I would not see other people, uh, the junkies, the 106.7 and fan, weren't, they weren't talking about it, but this morning they had me on as a guest. That's a different audience. And so I think by boycotting in this moment, they're back on the main stage as far as trying to get their message across. Now it's just a matter, okay, what happens next? And that's why I think it's important for them to complete the season because now when they go back on the court and they continue to do exactly what they've been doing, people are more apt to listen, I do believe. I, um, I agree with you, Chris. I, my, my stance was you got to respect whatever they decide, right? There's so many financial implications should they have not finished the CBA next season, the salary cap. There's just so much. Um, But we knew that this thing had to take another step because kneeling was cool now, right? Like it was, oh, the players kneeled. All right, let's get to basketball. Oh, Black Lives Matter. Let's get to basketball. A couple questions about what's going on in terms of racial inequalities in our country. Okay, let's get back to basketball. And that is human nature. But to Chris's point, you just can't completely ignore it. But what I was saying to my co-host this morning on our pod, you can't the players shouldn't be asked to water down or make decisions. First of all, it's unfair that it's their burden in the first place, but we that's a whole other conversation. This isn't about going to go and convince those people that at the RNC rally right now, right? Like those people have already made up their mind. They understand where they, where they stand. This is about the people that have a heart with a little bit of compassion and an ear to hear um, that are watching the game and that will acknowledge how much they love black people and black culture and that they are mistreated in this country. And so, I think continuing to play gives you that platform for people that are still watching and still have a heart. If you shut it down, it, don't, it only becomes entirely more fodder politically, politicized. And then quite honestly, like Jackie Robertson, Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, whoever you want to name, they are not who they are in our history without the game that they played so well. Well, enough. You know, I, I agree with Chris. It is a very complex question. And it did... It does not have a single easy answer. So many facets to the uh, the whole dynamic of them stepping away for the rest of the season. And you can see it from all angles. Um, how one side could be right and there is no wrong. Um, so, you know, I, I applaud the guys for making that first step, uh, for making a stand. And, and hopefully this continues a conversation, a momentum, and it presses upon those who have the political power to make uh, to influence those who can make the, the changes to uh, you know our rules and legislation to get them to act and act uh, expeditiously expeditiously so I mean as far as I'm concerned I mean, it was just a logical next step I mean especially coming on the heels of the George Floyd situation um, I applaud them 
for standing up for what they believe in and using their their uh, platforms to uh, to belt out in the loudest megaphone that they possibly can. And hopefully, again, it will affect change. And if it doesn't affect change immediately, and obviously we know it won't, at least it can get to some of the younger generations, some of the younger folks can, can kind of ride on the coattails and the wave of this, the crest of this wave. And let's see how far we can take this and, and, and move this ball down the road. So. All right, fellas. Again, I hope that you hug your loved ones, um, count your blessings. We're, we're going to move through this as Black people have done throughout history in this country. Um, we've got room to grow. And I, one thing that Doc Rivers said that I stick with me is, is we do love this country. And because we love it, um, we can hold it accountable and call it out in terms of its flaws. So thank you. Um, again, Chris, shout out to you. Man, that was a real impressive. Like, I, I, like, I'm such a TV geek. I'm flipping between all the different channels. And I'm like, yo, they got to go through the whole game. Like everybody else sort of had options. But um, you did a tremendous job, my friend. TJ, Coach Dino, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, it's tough not to leave these conversations kind of heavy, but when you get around your family, get around your boys tomorrow, Coach, um, I hope that there's reason to smile as we continue to work, work toward what we want to see change.